So if you guys need a Bible, we have a couple Bible fairs around the room. It's good to see all of you. I love small groups. I love getting just a little more personal with you guys to be able to see all of you. And so this, uh, I hope you guys had a great break. Um, You had a good time just to be able to rest, spend time with family, um, but spend time with the Lord as well. Um, Time off is something that we get to take advantage of um, and not only finding rest physically, but finding rest spiritually with the Lord. So I hope you had a good time. Um, This morning I wanted to kind of just share just some stuff that's on my heart that God has been teaching me. Um, Next week we are going to be starting a a series that's going to go through winter camp that's going to be all about Jesus. And that's something that God has been putting on my heart um, and just really confirming that we would be a people focused on Jesus in everything that we do. Not just a people focused on Beaverton Foursquare, not just a people focused on ourselves or even on each other, but just as Daniel said, that it says in the word that let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And it says he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. That when it comes to the very faith that we have in the Lord, that it starts with looking at Jesus. And God is the one who's our source of strength. And he's the one who not only created that, but he's also the perfecter of it. That even though you may start it, you, if you stray away from that, you will never be perfected in your faith. You'll never grow in your faith in the way that God wants for us to grow in relationship with him. So if you do have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 4. We're talking um, and we're sharing out of this letter that was written by a guy named Paul. A lot of you guys have heard of him. He was an apostle. He was a pastor. Um, when he writes this letter, um, he is writing to the church of Philippi. And he is not there at the church because he is actually in prison and he is in chains because of the very gospel that he preached and because he believed in Jesus just as we do. So he writes this letter to them, giving them instruction on how to live their lives, how to grow in the Lord. And we reach kind of just this, this passage of scripture where he is, he's, he's addressing them directly for something that they did for him. And so if you guys want to turn um, and look at chapter 4, verse 10 in Philippians, chapter 4, verse 10, this is what the Word of God says. Paul writes, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Would you guys say amen with me? Paul writes this to give a little backstory. This church knew he was in prison, and they had provided supplies for him. They provided things like money for them, um, even people going to visit them to help take care of him while he was in prison. The Roman government allowed that for him. And in this letter, he gets an opportunity to address them about that. So he's addressing them about something very real, a deed that they did for him of taking care of him. And he says, thank you so much for the way that you take care of me. Thank you so much for sending that. But then he goes into saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And I want us to just take note of that because he's, he's, he's not saying that because he was in dire need and he needed it. But he appreciates it and he rejoices it and he enjoys it. 
And he says this. He begins to teach him, and he says, I've learned how to be content in whatever the circumstances is what he says. He says, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it feels like to be on top of the world. I know what it feels like to feel great about myself and have all these resources to be the most liked person. But he also knows what it's like to be the least liked person. He also knows how it's like to be the most hated person and to have nothing and to be hungry, to have no money, to be in prison, to have no roof over his head. And he makes that very clear that he's been in both circumstances one way and the other. And he ends it by saying this very, very just powerful passage in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In another version, it says, I can do all things. I can do all things. Can you say that with me? All things. Very nice, Josh. Let's say it again. All things. Not some things. All things through him who gives me strength. And you see, that's the nature of God's relationship with us is that he would be a God that would be our source of strength. Not just our source of knowledge. Not just our source of well-being, but our source of strength. That God would be the very strength within us. That without him, we would be weak. And you know, when you read a passage like that and you see him being very clear of, I know what it's like to have good circumstances. I know what it's like to have bad circumstances. I've been there. I've done that. That's something we can all relate to because we all know about good circumstances. Christmas morning is a good circumstance. Amen? First day of school is a bad circumstance, correct? We all know what it's like to be on one end of the spectrum and the other. But at the same time, on a more serious note, we know what it's like to be broken. We know what it's like to want something or to, de- to desire something in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe there was a, something that was broken and it just is left there and you're, you feel like you've lost something. I think that's what Paul's trying to get at in this passage, that I know what it's like, guys, to be in those shoes. And it's no coincidence that Paul would address something like this to them because to be a Christian is to rely on the strength of God. It's not to always have the best circumstances because there is no circumstance in this world that will ever satisfy you like the source of strength that God provides. Amen? He is our source of strength. He is the one that we always go to whether we're in well or not well. You know, Jesus, or Yahweh, God, said something funny to the Israelites. He said, When you guys are in need, you'll pursue me a lot because you're going to feel this absolute need in your heart because you're in in jeopardy. He says, it's the times when you feel like you're in plenty and you have everything that you're going to stray away from me, is what he says before they even do it. I think that's funny because in terms of supplies and in terms of things and circumstances around us, we are one of the most blessed nations in the world. We're one of the most blessed nations kind of cultures even. And at the same time, we have time, we have trouble pursuing God because there are other things to pursue. There are other strengths for us. But none of those strengths are like the strength of God. They actually make us weaker. But God's strength makes us stronger. It's like in the same way that you're hungry, if you're hungry, you have a a choice to make. You can either have Taco Bell and that can satisfy you, but it'll make you weaker. Amen, boys? Ladies, and just <laughs> or you can eat something healthy, which will satisfy you, and it'll make you stronger. 
And so when you, when you look at that and when you think about what is your strength, where do you go to, it means all times. It means in all things. When it seems like everything is going well in your life, that's when you need to pursue God the most. It's the things that seem the easiest are the times we pray the least. And those are the parts where God wants us to cover and to come to him and to seek strength. Not only in the times where it's blatantly obvious that we need God, but in the times when it seems like we can do it on our own. I can do all this, all this, all things, not just I can do things when they're really tough through him who gives me strength, but I can do all things, all things. Can we say it one more time? All things. See, when Jesus was in the garden before he was arrested and betrayed and crucified, you know, that wasn't the first time that Jesus went to that garden to pray. That was something of a habit that he would do. He would go there and he would pray every night. And so for him to go to that garden that Thursday night before he was betrayed that Friday morning, that was something where he was going and he was praying to the Father for strength. He would always seek him. And that just, it just happened to be a time when he was in dire need. But let's not make no mistake, Jesus sought the Father consistently. It was a rhythm for him to come before God and pray for him, whether things were seemed to be going well or things were hurting. It's almost as if Jesus didn't just go to the garden because it was an emergency situation, but he, he had a relationship with God. He would seek him even when it wasn't an emergency situation in his life because there was relationship. I think a good way of describing it, too, would be when I used to coach, I would, I would always have my door open for player meetings. And I said, I really want to build a relationship with you guys. I want to walk with you guys through the season of your life in college. You know, I want to be an older brother to you guys. I want to help you through it. And this is, this is the two kind of people that I ended up coaching. There were the people that would never come into my office, and then the times when they would come in, they were in dire need. I'm failing a class. You know, I, I got hurt. Something's happening in my life. I need something. It's kind of like a parent where they send their kid off to college, and the only time that they hear them is like, Dad, I need 20 bucks. Dad, I need 30 bucks. Dad, I need 40 bucks. And it just keeps getting worse. But then there were all these other players. They would come into my office, and I'd be like, what's up? And they'd be like, nothing. Just want to say hi. Want to see how you were doing. And even though there were times where they came in where they were in need, there was consistency of coming to him always and coming to me always of just, I'm here because of you, not because of me and my need for something. You see, when we go to God for his source of strength, we're not just going for us. We're going for him. And we build that relationship and he becomes our strength. And that's the strength that God wants to put on each and every one of you. There's strength in relationship. And there's strength in relationship with God and the relationships that you have in one another in the Lord. Amen? Now, something about this passage that I think we should take a good, good look at and a good understanding of is what, what is the strength that you need? Because if God is going to be the strength in something, that means you acknowledge that there's a need for strength. You see, there's a point where if there is a strength needed, that means there's a weakness. And that means you've got to acknowledge that there's a weakness. 
A quote that I heard one time is, a friend that never tells you his weakness is no friend at all. You see, with God, it's the same way because he wants us to acknowledge the weaknesses that we have so that he can be the strength in our weakness. And it can be easy to read a passage like this and say, I want God to be my strength, you know. But that means acknowledging that you need help. That, acknowledge, that, that means acknowledging that you are weak in an area and you can't save yourself. You can't bring yourself out of something. What is that area of your life? Paul, actually, in another letter, he, he was writing um, to another church in Corinth. And he begins to talk about how there was this thorn in his side is how he describes it. It's in 2 Corinthians 12. And he, he describes this thorn in his side to, where it left him weak. And we don't know what that thorn was. It could have been his own sin. It could have just been a tough situation that he was in. But we all know what it's like to be weak and what it feels like to have a thorn in our side. And the word says that he went to the Lord. And he says, three times I pleaded to God. He said, take it away from me. He said, take it away from me. An honest prayer that we can all relate to, right? And yet... But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's God's response. He says, my grace is sufficient to cover your weaknesses. Hey, don't be so scared of your weaknesses. Don't be afraid that you fall short. Don't be afraid that you're a human being. Don't be afraid to acknowledge that you're human, because when you do that, you acknowledge that I'm God. If we don't acknowledge our humanity, we won't acknowledge God's glory. And so when it goes on, and I love what Paul says, he says, Therefore, therefore, in response, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I will boast about my weakness. Boast. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, that's when strength really comes. When you open up your heart to God and you say, this is what my heart looks like, God can stick in his own hand and he can heal you. But when you say, no, God, I'm not weak, I'm strong, I'm strong, see? And he goes, no, you're just not letting me make you strong. You're not letting me make you strong. I think Christians would be best known as the weakest people and the most honest people. Because as humans, humanity, that's us, no dogs in the room. We will never be perfect on this side of heaven. And we will never be able to control how perfect we are. Now we get to control how much we pursue God and that changes and that sanctifies us. But we will never be absolutely perfect on this side of heaven. But there is something that we get to control. We get to control how honest we get to be with God. And we get to control how honest we get to be with those who are pursuing the Lord with us. You see, no matter whether you feel like you are so entangled in your sin, or you feel like you're so far from God, or whether you feel like you're on top of the world, I'm killing it right now, God. I am coming to church. I am not majorly sinning. I am in my Bible every single day. But I'm not being weak before you. 
no matter where you find yourself, you'll always get the opportunity to control how honest you are with God and with one another. And I think that's so important because you get to control how honest you get to be with people. You can tell people the truth in part. You can spin the stories you want to God or to the people around you, even the closest people to you. But if you're not fully honest, you're still going to be holding on. And you're not going to allow God to be the strength in your weakness. And the beauty of that is that God gets the glory. You see, when you take strength for yourself or you try to claim strength over yourself, you get the glory. And you're the one that gets pointed at and says, look at him or look at her. But when you're weak and God does a mighty work and he covers you, God is the one who gets the glory. And that's what we were made for. That is the point of which we were meant to live our lives in a place where we were openly honest and weak with one another. But God gets complete glory. Wouldn't it be beautiful if someone pointed at you and said, man, God is good because of what he's doing in that person's life. Isn't that what you guys want for your lives? Go ahead and just nod your head if you say, that's me. That's what I always want to be in my life. I want to be someone that people look at and they don't see me. They see God working in me. And they see him strong in my weakness. Paul, for someone who is a leader and a pastor to be able to stand up and say, I will boast about my weaknesses. I am, I am human. I am no, I'm not any more than human. Is exactly the kind of example that he sets for all of us. So how do you do that? How do you live in something like that? How do you live in your weaknesses? How do you grow strong in your weaknesses? Because I think what God wants to do is he, just, he wants to cover our weaknesses, but he wants to grow us out of them. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us strong so we don't have to live in bondage. So if you guys go, if you're still in Philippians, if you go actually a couple verses before, go to uh, verse 4 of chapter 4. This is the passage right before this one, so we're, we're kind of going backwards. What Paul says to them in his weakness, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard or um, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen by me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The first thing that he says in this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. We are saved by Jesus, and you are made completely pure. You are a son, and you are a daughter of the living God. No matter where you find yourself in your life, we always have the choice to rejoice. That rhymed. Wow. Cool. I'm a poet, and I don't know it. Anyways, you have this choice within you of what you want to do. Because sin will come, but what always comes with sin is shame. We will fall short, but what the enemy's, what the enemy's strategy is, is to keep you in your sin by covering you in shame. 
Shame keeps you from being honest with God. Shame keeps you from being honest with one another. Shame makes you tell half-truths. Doesn't, it makes you spin it because you're afraid of who you really are. And let me just say to everyone in this room, it's okay to be an utterly wicked mess. It's okay. It's okay because God loves you and so do we. You see, that's the beauty of the church. We're supposed to reflect God's love, which is why so many people experience God's love because they understand God loves them for who they are, even as messy as they are, but they realize there are people in here that love them the same too. That's the calling that we have on our lives, that not only God would love us, but that we would love each other no matter how utterly a mess that we can be. We live in a society that plays favorites, that plays favorites. We want to be the most powerful. We want to be the most wise. We want to be the best. But what if we wanted to be the worst? Because that's where God gets true strength. That's why Jesus would look at his disciples and says, if any of you wants to be first, you need to be last. If any of you wants to be great, you need to be a servant. You need to humble yourself. And that's where you'll see me work the most in your life. And that's the only place where you'll truly find peace in your life. Rejoice in who God is and rejoice in who God says you are. No matter how weak you may be, rejoice. You don't have to live in your sin and you don't have to live in your shame. Shame is a tactic of the enemy to try and cover you and to try to keep you from going to God. Shame is a tactic that tries to disqualify you from the grace of God by your own hand. It goes on to say that let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. It says don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, whether you feel strong or weak, every, all things, not just good ones, not just the bad ones, but everything, by prayer and petition, and listen to this with thanksgiving, we rejoice and we always give thanks to God, whether we feel strong or whether we feel weak, we always rejoice and we always have a reason to thank God because of what he's given to us. It says, present your requests to God, whatever is bothering your heart, with thanksgiving and with rejoicing, you present it to God. You present your weakness. You present whatever is on your heart. You present your strength to God. But it's always covered in his love. And it's always covered in the fact that he loves you and completely forgives you and calls you a son or a daughter of the living God. Sometimes we can present our requests to God. But we don't come to him with thanksgiving or we don't come to him with rejoicing. We come to him in mourning. We come to him in self-shame or self-hate even over our own sin. What I just want to say to you guys is you don't have to live in that. Jesus does not want you to live in that. There's definitely a point where obviously we're sad if we hurt God. But just know that God completely forgives you and that he loves you. And the only reason he would ever be sad is because he sees so much potential in you. And he's willing to do anything to have you reach that potential. Better that than a God who doesn't care or is apathetic. He loves you. He loves each and every one of you, which is why he doesn't want you to live in your shame. He wants you to live in rejoicing because he's given you the opportunity through the shed blood of his son. That means we get to rejoice. That means we get to worship fully and we get to shout praise to him. When you do that, when you present your quest, when you're honest before God, but you're honest about who God is too, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace, 
which transcends all understanding, all rationale, it will guard you. It'll protect you. What it goes on to say, it's very practical. He says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent, praiseworthy, whatever's good. He says, think about it. Dwell your thoughts on it. Do you think most of the thoughts that we have in our lives are negative ones? Maybe take a look at how your thoughts go throughout one day. Because when you look at social media, when you look at just even the things that are around you, some of the ways that people treat, the things that you are intaking on a daily basis, a lot of them are negative. A lot of them are hurtful, and a lot of them are ungodly. And sometimes that can shape even the perspective of our heart just in a lot of little ways to make us think that God is the same way. Which is why Paul would say, now this is what you need to do each and every day. You need to think about whatever's truth. You need to think about the truth of God and his love for you. You need to think about whatever's lovely, whatever's love-filled, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's admirable. If anything is that, think about it. When you think about everything that God has done since the creation of the world, even his goodness before it, think about it. Whatever it is, and there is more than enough to fill an entire lifetime of thoughts, whatever it is, whatever is good, whatever is admirable, think about it. Dwell on it. And in the same way, it says the God of peace will be with you in verse 9. In the same way of presenting our request to God in thanksgiving that the peace will guard us. In the same way that dwelling our thoughts on Jesus and his goodness and his glory will bring about that same peace. That's what God wants for us. Hebrews 12, too, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As we begin just a new year, if the worship team wants to come back up, as we just begin this new year, we don't always get to determine the past that we walk. We don't always get to determine the schools that we get to go to or what will happen in this next year. But we will always, you will always have the opportunity of what to put your eyes on, whether it feels like everything is going well or everything is falling apart. You always have a chance and an opportunity to determine what you get to put your eyes on. I can tell you right now that God wants you to put his eyes on him. And that's the reason that we're going through this series for the next five to six weeks. That's the reason why we, we do what we do. That's the reason why we live, is to put our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And right now, even in our weakness, he is our strength. There is no weakness too great for God's strength to handle. But it's a matter of, do you want to bring that to him? Do you want to bring that to him? The church is a safe place. Jesus' house is a safe place to be weak. And that's what we get to do together. And so if you just want to bow your heads with me right now, we're going we're gonna to spend some time with the Lord. Go ahead and close your eyes. This is your time between you and God right now. You know... There's a verse that God speaks in Hosea 4, 6. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than offerings is what he says. And what he's saying is, you know, sometimes when we look at God, we think we have to do all this stuff in order to earn his love or to earn his acceptance or to, be, to matter in his heart or to earn and accept his love. 
But what he wants is mercy. He wants people who are craving mercy over a broken life. And right now we have a decision to make. We can be people of sacrifice. We can be people that say, God, we're just going to try really hard, but we're never going to give you the weaknesses of our heart. God, I don't, I don't want you to ever know who I really am. God, I don't want people around me to ever know who I am. I just want to, I just want to go out. I want to, I want to fake it, but I'm just going to be anxious. I'm just going to be stressed out because I'm going to feel like I never measure up, even if it looks like I measure up to all the people around me. Or we can be a people of mercy. We can be a people that come to God and say, God, this is the weakness right now that I'm struggling. God, this is the weakness that shame has dictated right now in my life. I haven't told anyone this. Lord, this is the hurt that's within my heart. God, this is where I fall short. This is where I'm completely human. God, I've thought myself more than I really am, and I've been living in that. I've put my identity in a boastful vision of myself. And you're just craving God's love right now, and it just says with rejoicing and with thanksgiving that we present our requests to God. In your weakness right now, go ahead and tell God your weakness, but tell him in rejoicing and thanksgiving because you can tell God anything, and he will... He will call you to rejoice because he loves you and he covers it. God, thank you for covering all of our sins and our shortcomings. God, you love us more than anything. God, your word says that we're the apple of your eye. The word says that you're our father. Lord, that the Holy Spirit that lives within us cries, Abba, Father, which means Papa, Daddy. Lord, you're our dad. And we present ourselves to you, Lord. We give you everything right now. And Lord, we call on you as our source of strength. Lord, you're not just our source of knowledge or theology, God. You're a source of strength. Lord, we can't do anything in this world without you. Lord, no matter where we are, whether we're at home with our parents and we're trying to figure out how to treat them, Lord, or whether we're at school and trying to treat our friends, Lord, we're going to seek you as our source of strength, Lord. And so, God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys want to stand and move forward, we're going to close.